Hello. I've been waiting for you three. Who are you? Yeah, who are you? I am the architect. But please, call me Larry. Hey, Larry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> I created The Matrix and several popular video games, including Cubert and Dick Duck. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't create Frogger, but I came up with the name for it. Can you believe they wanted to call it Highway Crossing Frog? <laughs> that is so lame. I know. It's the lamest thing I've ever heard of. Highway Crossing Frog. Why am I here? Yeah, why are we here? Is there an echo in here? Is, is there, there an, an echo, echo in here? The MTV Movie Awards are a systemic anomaly inherent to the programming of the Matrix. Although the transport process has altered your consciousness, you irrevocably remain human. Ergo, concordantly, vis-a-vis. -vis. You know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. I just thought it would make me sound cool. You haven't answered my question. I'm feeling a little vulnerable right now, so you just need to chill out. Hmm? Can you do that? I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Now, originally Neo was the chosen one to host the show. But hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity! See what I'm talking about? That's why I brought in Sean and Justin. Because you, my friend, are completely pussy-whipped. Oh! <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit! Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? Would you shut up? You won't let it happen. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't answered... You do not want to see me get out of this chair! Erica, open your yapper one more time and I'm gonna architect a world of pain all over your candy ass! Ergo! Vis-a-vis! -vis. Concordedly. <laughs> In case you couldn't guess from our excellent grasp of the English language, uh, we are here today to talk about the Matrix Trilogy, and this is the Hold Up Podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, one of your uh, incredible red pill-taking hosts, uh, David Dennis. But I am joined on this quest for the Keymaker by... It is I, Mike the Birdman, and I'd like to think I'm more a victim of causality, cause and effect. I will be one of your many <laughs> operators today. <laughs> and, and finally... Hi, yes, hi, I'm going to step on myself. Matthew, uh, live from Valle du Parc, Colombia. And uh, yeah, the Matrix. Wow, this was this was an interesting uh, this was an interesting six hours, six plus hours. We have three movies, three <laughs> <Yes>. hosts. For <laughs> others see coincidence, I see consequence. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, this uh, same thing. I've been eating, sleeping, and drinking the Matrix for the past <laughs> like two weeks. I'm sick of the Matrix. I don't want to watch the Matrix again for like a decade after this. Uh, I have the Matrix box set, kind of an, I guess not a really interesting story, but I'll tell it anyways. Um, I was given this box set because my best friend is a way bigger Matrix fan than I am, and he bought it, and then he bought the Blu-ray version and didn't need the DVD version anymore, so he was like, here you go, have the Matrix box set, 
and it just sat on my shelf for years and years and years collecting dust and I've never even put any of these discs into my DVD player so that showed you what kind of uh, commitment where you had I sat. <laughs> well, yeah where I sat with these movies before this um and I, I would say I'm actually a much bigger fan of them now after digging into and watching uh, all six discs worth of bonus features and both commentaries on all three movies. So that's like 30 plus hours, I think, Jesus. of, of bonus features <laughs> that I sat through for these last two weeks. Uh, yeah, I was I was very committed to this. Probably so much useless knowledge that I will not even use in this podcast unless you guys <laughs> want to talk about how bullet time works or something. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's get, I guess we'll get into the nitty gritty right away and just talk about our personal histories with the matrix before we get into all the fun stuff about the themes of the movies, uh, how they've impacted culture, how they impacted our lives, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, Mike, do you want to start? Oh boy. What your history is? I know you have a <laughs> massive <laughs> history. This is going to be like Ghostbusters all over yeah. again. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. So my history with the Matrix, uh, quadrology actually goes all the way back to 1999. I remember first seeing this movie when it opened in April of that year. Huge fan, loved it, loved the soundtrack, loved the whole bullet time aspect thought Keanu Reeves really came into his own as an actor. Like at this time he was still, he was still trying to find footing after speed because he would do like really crappy movies. Yeah. So this was like, wow. Like Dracula this is or, I mean, yeah. Dracula wasn't crappy, but he's terrible in that movie. I, was, yeah. I, I like Dracula, but yeah. Um, Johnny, yeah, Milonic, movie. chain reaction. <laughs> Yeah, so I saw this, was really, really impressed. And then I started looking more at The Matrix as a media property when The Matrix Reloaded got announced. And specifically because I was a Xbox player at that time, I really got into Enter the Matrix, which is the companion video game, which works alongside The Matrix Reloaded uh, the Ma and The Animatrix, more specifically Final Flight of the Osiris, and I was really, really into it. So that, uh, so that May, I think, when this movie opened, I went to the theater dressed up as Agent Smith. I actually had official Matrix Damn. sunglasses that were cut <laughs> like his, like those very angular frames. I was actually looking at them last night. Again, thinking I need these in a prescription because um, I love the way the Matrix sunglasses were cut uh, during high school. I had the trench coat, which caused me no end of problems <laughs> when I was in high school. I've, that's a story for a different podcast. Um, and I got the Enter the Matrix game. I got the standee from my local EB Games, now known as GameStop. And I was huge. And when I like went to enter the matrix, like uh, cardboard, cardboard cutout thing to yep. add. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, did you, did you go to see dream catcher? So you could see final flight of the Osiris in yep. theaters. Totally did. Oh totally my God. Did. 
<laughs> which I like Dreamcatcher on an unrelated note because of it's, shit, it, shit weasels. It's so it's so weird, but yeah, we won't get too into into Dreamcatcher. It's it's one of the strangest films ever made. Um. So yeah. So I saw that. Then I saw the movie when I think the second part came out in November of that year. Once again, rocked the red pill, quote unquote, cosplay. Um. And that was like a black kind of military boots black jeans black shirt my like long coat my agent smith's uh sunglasses and it was a fun time i actually had a friend of mine at the time we're not friends anymore but we were so so into it and then my history with with the franchise took a really bizarre turn i moved away to a different city and i was working with a company call center and i started reading some of the books relating to matrix and philosophy and i started to look at the concept of gnosis and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show when we start start talking about the philosophical themes about it and i started wondering how that could be applied to a sales team but how it could also be applied to tech technical support sort of like self-help self-guidance but also team building as well so i actually contacted some of the authors from some of those books at the time i think i still have these books somewhere too um just talking about their themes i'm like hey if we wanted to use this in in my training class what do you think and they're like yeah that's a pretty cool idea man just let me know how it kind of turns out i actually went to a uh lecture at uh, western university the only time i've ever set foot on that campus grounds uh to hey, att- I've, I've set foot on that campus grounds many times <laughs> yeah the lecture was called there is no spoon and it was like a lecture series for like four weeks and it was tremendously awesome Awesome. And then we screened, I think it was Matrix Reloaded, I think, at like a small cinema at a mall, which I don't think is there anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was really cool. And then I was into the Matrix online on and off for many years. I was there when the servers died. Um, as my character was crushed into infinity. Bad. Um and yeah, like it, it was just really. Wasn't that almost like? Didn't they shut them off like exactly ten years after the first movie came out? Or that I'm not sure because there was the it left from Atari and then it went to Sony online services, I think. And then it got shut down in like 2009 or something. I remember I was yeah. in Hamilton. Actually, you were living with me when this happened. Uh, but yeah, so the servers were so overwhelmed at that time. There was only three servers left. There was the PVP server, the PVE server, and then the role play server. I was on the role play server, I think. So I spent three hours in the game. I gave away all my stuff and ran around naked naked near the starting <laughs> neighborhood <laughs> and then That's i danced amazing. danced as the world ended wow. on a desktop now what's cool about it because my character was never super high level because i was in college and dave you and i both went through the shit together you didn't have time for video yeah. games and so I was really weak. A rock band every Wednesday night or whatever. Yep, yep we did that. <laughs> so because my character was one of the people who pre-ordered the game when the game first came out, I got the super jump ability super, super early. So I could jump on really high buildings that other players, unless they reset level 10 or something, couldn't get to. So I sat on top of a building with a bunch of other guys, danced until the world ended, and then the server crashed. Um, and then, yeah, I was out of the Matrix fandom for a number of years. Um, I would keep 
poking my head back in on and off over the years. Like I've read, <clears throat> I've read two volumes of the comics, which I really, really, really enjoyed. I've seen the Animatrix. I've owned almost every version of the box set. The only version I didn't own was the one with the bust of Neo. Um, I had multiple McFarlane action figures my favorite probably being morpheus from reloaded where he where he has the glock 18 and the katana from the highway fight scene with the twins and um i've owned prop replicas i've owned agent smith sunglasses i've owned morpheus's um and then yeah um i've had just weird history with it ever since and last night I decided to try my own quote unquote red pill experience. I had a couple of my uh, marijuana edibles while watching it. And I actually had some really unique insights while watching this movie. So I'll share those as we move on. (laughs) Yeah. So one of my, one of my friends actually was, uh, she wasn't planning on watching matrix resurrections because she was saying like, Oh, everyone tells me it sucks. And not to jump ahead too much, but I was like, I don't. I think it's reductive to just say that it sucks, it, but it's very, very, very strange. And I recommended to her you should watch it the first time while you're high because it, it lends itself to that. Um, but I don't know if the if the other Matrix movies do as much, but I it would definitely kind of expand your mind in a sense. And you you raise some interesting points too. I think that speak not only to your experience but also to the cultural zeitgeist surrounding the Matrix. Meaning, like the first movie came out and was just a movie, a really good movie, but it was really just its own thing. It was just a movie. And then when the second movie came out, it like upgraded from movie film was- to like multimedia franchise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like- suddenly it was. It was a comic and an anime and a video game and two and phones. And like two, yeah, two thousand three was like the year of the Matrix. Now basically. it's funny that I actually looked this up before we recorded this podcast. You could still use the phone from the Matrix Reloaded, that certain type that 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 like shoots down, although not with that amount of force because that's a prop. Uh, phone it was still usable until recently actually and buying those there's still a huge market for those i remember i was gonna buy one but in the but when things happened because this is still in the infancy of ebay around 2002 2003 um i saw them go for over nine thousand dollars in in Holy 2003 crap. money yeah um and i remember cast posters were going for ridiculous ones i had the agent smith and the morpheus one and then one final bit i'll mention this is how much this movie has influenced my life my live journal that's right i'm og internet uh, <laughs> was actually my my All old right. handle was morpheus zero and as I've told my tale over the last couple minutes, and then when when we get into the discussion proper, I want you guys to think about something while you're telling your own tales. What would your red pill or Zion name be? So think about that. Think Whoa. about what is your yeah. what is a, a characteristic that is technology or something related to you that represents who you are. And I'll give you mine. And then you guys can kind of think about it as you tell your own stories. So I got the thinking last night while I was watching Reloaded. And I think mine would be either edit or podcast. 
and that is not because of Ghostbusters Afterlife, but <laughs> I got the thinking. I think that's... even even just Pod, I think Pod yeah. would work. Or, yeah, or like Cast. The Matrix name, yeah. And I got the thinking mm-hmm. about that, thinking, well, I've always had broadcasting or casting in my life in some capacity or edit because with the history yeah. of our podcast, This Week in Geek, I did 95% of the editing and that's what I do. I edit. I am the editor. So I'm kind of okay with this. Yeah, so the, the editor sounds like the architect or the analyst or the Oracle. They're all, they're all these, the name. I feel like the editor would be your name if you were a program. Yeah. If, matrix. if I was a program in the matrix, yeah. I would be the editor and I would be in charge of revisionist history. Like and fixing, I know that sounds yeah. evil, but oh, that oh, would be going back and correcting whenever someone experiences a deja vu. It's, it's up to you to go in, fix that air. So it's never reported, but stuff always Ooh, slips cool. through <laughs> with, with everybody saying birds aren't real, which is a real conspiracy. And there's even a real conspiracy that's been floated, a real theory that actual scientists have talked about. Are we living inside a simulation? I can talk about that later as well. But I pass over the hard line to the person who should go next. And I'm going to dial up uh, Dave at his uh, operator hard point down. And I think, where are you right now, Dave? You're still in Waynefleet right now? Yeah. So there is your hard line. Go. In the, down in the uh, the machine controlled city of Waynefleet, um, uh, yeah. So I, again, I didn't as you, I told you with that box set. I haven't thought about or cared about the Matrix that much in a very long time, and it's not nearly as important to me as it is to you. Uh, I've always been more into other franchises. I was always aware of the Matrix, um, but I didn't see any of them in theaters, mostly because I was too young. Uh, when the first Matrix came out, I was like 11 or 12. So, and these were R-rated movies, which is weird because there's not, like, besides the sex scene in, in Matrix Reloaded, which isn't even really that bad of a sex scene, there's not much in these movies to make them rated R. Uh, I always found it, it, there should be like a hard PG-13. But anyways, because of that, I couldn't go see them in theaters. I ended up watching it. Uh, for the first time when it aired on, I believe it was Fox or no, it would make more sense to be WB, right? Because that's who put these out. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was probably the WB channel that was like premiering it for the first time in like, my guess is like early 2000. So I watched the edited for TV version of it. Uh, and I'll always remember one scene where uh, Neo says, how about I give you the finger? And you give me my phone call in the editor for TV version. He says, how about I give you the flipper? And then they cut out the <laughs> shot where he says, and, and you give me my phone call. Cause then he's giving the finger to the camera and they can't show that on TV. So he just goes, how about I give you the flipper? What good is a phone call if you can't speak? So it makes no sense. And it's hilarious. I don't know if they have that on YouTube or not, but it's uh, it's pretty funny. You should look it up. Uh, but yeah, then the Matrix Reloaded came out when I was in high school. I remember it being a huge deal. And then I remember Matrix Revolutions coming out and kind of nobody really caring all that much. Like, it's, it's weird the contrast between how excited everyone was when Matrix Reloaded came out. And then six months later, the mood changed so much because of all the disappointment surrounding Matrix Reloaded 
some of which is warranted and some of the, most of which is not in my opinion i think part sure- of the pr- I think part of the problem with it coming within six months of each other, we were not used to the movie cycle being like the MCU kind of build up, like, like the anticipation between Spider-Man, for example, uh, homecoming to far from home. There's enough space to really build up to do the marketing, but also do years of storytelling and everything else. When the matrix reloaded and revolutions came out within six months, it wasn't enough time for people to breathe and digest that movie. Like, I agree with yeah, you. I think true. these movies get a lot of hate for no reason. There are problems again, with think, them. I Yeah, again, I, I like them with an asterisk, and the, the asterisk is in spite of their flaws. I do think they have many flaws, and we'll we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, I re, uh, most of my uh, memories about Matrix Reloaded uh, and I think anyone who went to youth group or young adult group at a church in the early 2000s can attest to this. And it was just every youth, youth pastor from the early 2000s having a massive hard on for the Matrix trilogy uh, because, yes, I can show these as a sermon illustration and we can show the scene where Morpheus is giving a speech, but play it completely out of context and then use it to talk about the Bible. So that was basically like 2003 for me. I saw most of the scenes from that movie, actually, at various youth group things before I saw the movie in its entirety, which is weird. Um and I remember going to my cousin's house after school and we would play on, for some reason, he only had a, a GameCube. I think it's because he was super excited about Metroid Prime. And so he bought a GameCube just so he could play Metroid Prime. Uh, but we would also play Enter the Matrix on it as well. So I have some, a few fond memories of playing that game, although I barely remember it. Um and then that's about it. And then I, th- I guess in like 2004, I sat down and watched the whole trilogy all the way through without without any interruptions, finally. Uh, and I've seen it maybe once since then. And then that's it. I just didn't care. <laughs> and again, you, you, Mike, you talked about too, like after The Matrix Online went down, uh, your interest kind of... Yeah, like a little bit, and I feel like the cult the culturally as a as a collective society, the same thing kind of happened. People kind of just forgot about the Matrix for about ten years. Yeah, it like took a long time, and then with uh, the Wachowskis uh, transitioning into their uh, true selves, the conversation got reawakened about the Matrix as a trans allegory. And I actually started reading into some of the history of that last night. And I presume we'll talk about this when we get to the first movie. There is one character in that movie. I wish they'd kept the original concept. That would have been fucking awesome. Um, And I was thinking, you know what? You're right. That makes a lot of sense now, especially when you look at how they have become, like I said, their their true selves now. And when you look at the concept of, of self-substantiation and the Matrix and realizing who you are, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the Matrix is culturally very important. I mean, the first one for sure. The other one's diminishing returns but still adds to the whole story because again while i was watching them last night and i started making mental connections and building 
on the lore that's been established, but also developing my own head canon. I'm thinking, okay, that's what that does. That's how that connects to that. And I'm seeing all the spider webs within spider webs and, or it's that big picture. It's that meme of the guy with the board and the thumbtacks. And I'm like, okay, oh, from, from it's always sunny. The Pe- yeah. Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, Pepe Sylvia everywhere in this movie. I was. And, uh, and I got the thinking, this series is more brilliant than people give it credit for. And I also was reminded of how much I love agent Smith as a bad guy. Uh, Hugo Weaving is just so good. He's a treasure. And (laughs) even though he's a villain in the movies, when I started looking at how the journey ends in matrix resurrections in a, in a way he's kind of not in in a very realistic way because no, he doesn't yeah, he, kind he, of, he doesn't want to die too. Yeah, there's kind of an element of uh of like a Taoist yin and yang and there's a lot of yin yang symbols actually throughout the the film. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's a there's also an element again which we can talk more about later of like in I mean Neo is literally called the one so he represents individualism uh um Agent Smith copies himself to everyone in the Matrix and represents collectivism. And the Wachowskis aren't saying that the one should overpower the other, but that the two need to combine forces in order for for anything good to be achieved. Uh, so yeah, there is there's a lot more there. Again, I think you're right. There's a lot more there than people give it credit for, especially as a, as a whole trilogy. But they're kind of so overbloated with so much plot and uh, boring scenes and unnecessary characters that it's hard to get to like that meaty stuff underneath all of that. Mm-hmm. I find. Um, but anyways, Matthew, we've been kind of ignoring you. What is, what no. is your uh, history with, with this and um, you see it in theaters, etc. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting. I, uh, 1999, um, junior year of college, uh, is that University yeah, of North Carolina? I feel Carolina. like we need to play. So we need to play like Nirvana underneath you while you're <laughs> yeah. talking right now. Yeah. So, I, if this is a video, you, you, like the, 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 yeah, you'd see a little flashback to me with my '90s haircut or whatever I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I look exactly the same. But anyway, um, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, "Wow, that looks really, really awesome." Um, I was a huge John. That was like during my John Woo, um, Chow Yun Fat sort of era. Um, okay. So I was like, wow, this looks like a basically a Hollywood version of the this John Woo style, two two guns, um, you know, hard boiled the killer. Um, I'm like, this is gonna be great. And I tried to convince um my circle of friends who were um basically the group a couple of guys wrote for a couple uh it was pre-Facebook, pre you know, pre-social media. They wrote for some like I guess it's like a blog or something. I don't remember exactly, but I remember one guy was uh, maybe actually with the campus newspaper, and he was an insufferable prick because he would like put on Blade Runner and then be messing around on like AOL Instant Messenger or whatever. You know, I'm, again, I'm dating myself. And then he would like not watch the movie, and we'd be in his dorm room watching it, and then he'd be like, "Oh, that was a boring movie," and then he'd write a terrible review about it. But like, I'd be like, "Dude, you didn't watch it. You watched like three minutes of it, you scumbag." <laughs> so hey, we kind of hated this dude. And anyway, he didn't want to see it because he he was a really insecure guy who hated any sort of like good looking actor. So he hated Keanu. Like, uh, I think he like dated a girl who said he was handsome. Oh, so, uh, so he was, he was so anti seeing this, but anyway, we, we dragged this guy to see it with us. Um, 
And uh, I loved the movie. I thought it was one of the best things I had seen. I thought the the world they created was great. I loved almost every minute of it. it I was, and he was like, he liked it. He thought it was okay. My other friends who were there, they thought it was awesome. We were all just kind of blown away. We hadn't seen anything like this because they did take the Hong Kong style of some of the gunfights, but it was much more than, you know, the gunfights and hard boiled and stuff with just, you know, bullet time, slow motion. Anyway, um, I thought the plot was cool. I thought the, uh, just the over, like, like, like Mike, you were saying with the sunglasses and the trench, the look was awesome. I just, I really liked everything about it. Um, you know, if I yeah, was a, little, if the, I was getting, Maison Sen, I yeah, exactly. The, the world, the characters, everyone. And I liked Keanu. I, I thought he made some really poor career choices, but I had nothing against Keanu as a rat. You know, people made fun of him. He's dumb. He's this, I always thought he was a pretty cool actor and it seemed like a cool guy, which now people love the guy, you know, people are always talking yeah. <laughs> about how great he is. Yeah, but he's that time, he's, he's yeah. one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Right. I, I think, like, I think the problem with Keanu is his voice, to be honest. He has the same, like, he's from Canada, but he has, like, what sounds like a Southern California accent. Yes, and he does the in, whoa. In everything, even if he has a British accent, he's yeah. like, we must go to Dracula's yeah. castle. <laughs> and, and, and so I think I, vo- vocally, yeah. he's kind of, he's not the best actor, but physically, no. Keanu Reeves is one of my favorite actors ever. Like, the way he can uh, emote by using his body uh, even when I was rewatching these movies in the critic commentary, like they just tore the sequels to shreds. Yeah. But one of the critics pointed out a, a scene where Keanu wakes up from a bed and he's like, like only Keanu would, would wake up like that. <laughs> like <laughs> any other actor would just wake up normally, but he wakes right. up so dramatically. Uh, so yeah, I think the way, the way he moves his body, even when he's not using Kung Fu, he's just uh, everything he does with his facial movements and everything seems very calculated uh and watching those bonus features i realized he's uh he's super perfectionist but not with other people just with like with his own performance Mm, he'll demand extra takes so he can get everything perfect um anyway sorry uh, i had to pause your story to gush about keanu reeves (laughs) you can continue (laughs) (laughs) um so you know i i i thought it was near a near perfect movie you know um I, I thought the the cipher twist was really well done. Um, just that scene, yeah. I, just like every character. Except, except it's me. one of the most notorious uh, plot holes in recent movies. Because how did he jack himself into the Matrix and then leave I, afterwards? I saw on the Birdman's <laughs> channel that. Um, I think Lana, I can't remember Lana or the other Wachowski sister had an interview where there was su- supposed to be a scene where they, he's writing code where he can do that. Oh, and that, and okay. that was the explanation. And yeah. And, and there's a few others like that. There's a few, like, remember the scene with the envelope? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, and it doesn't envelope? bother me. Like no. it's, it, the movie is good enough that I don't care. It's like in Toy Story, how do they know, or how does Buzz know to stop pretending to be a toy when he doesn't think right. he's a toy. Well, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense, but I don't right, care because I love Toy Story. <laughs> like, <there's a laughs> logically, few... Andy would walk into the room and he'd be like, hi, my name is Buzz Lightyear. Right, he would, would never stop screaming. and think he's a toy. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, I never let any of that get in the way. And actually, I think that's when, when I sort of 
talking to other Matrix fans and stuff. Like, you know, what if this really is the Matrix? Like, you know, like, no, don't like this movie's not meant to be thought that way. But then I guess I was the one that wrong. I was the one who's wrong because the sequels are pretty much. Yeah, we should think that way. You know, it's um. so let me get into the sequels a little. Um, So like I said, I love the movie. But I don't think I didn't rewatch it many times between '99 and you know the, the sequel came out. Maybe once or twice. But I, like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. Sequel came out. I, I was in law school, 2003, and I didn't see it in the theaters. And it kind of had some weird word of mouth where people who are looking for more of the first one were kind of disappointed. It was a, it was a bit polarizing, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, because not all the critics hated it, but not all right. of them loved it as much as the first one. Like in rereading some reviews, I, I like the Ebert review for it. I was like, yeah, because I, I would say I would give it a positive at the time and on the rewatch um, this past week. But, um, you know, I, I watched it. I didn't really understand it was part of the problem. Because um, I remember the first time I watched mm-hmm. it, I had rented it with um, the, my girlfriend at the time. And I remember, I remember I was studying for something. I, you know, I was in law school, a lot of reading. And I remember I was like, wow, I got to watch that movie again because I took my eyes off the screen a few times and I came back my, and I was like, wait, who's this French guy? What's this? You know? And then I like, you know, by that time the internet sort of exists. So you can kind of Google like, what are the ghosts? And I was like, oh, this is cool. They're like, you know, glitches and stuff like that's cool. I like that part of the world building stuff. Um, but then kind of rewatching that movie a couple times, I was like, I, I still really don't understand it that much. Um, and this is back in 2000 and, um, you know, whenever it came out. And then when the other one came out, the word of mouth was so bad on it. I just didn't watch it. I'm like, you know what? I'm content yeah. with just ending it in my head. And oh, oh, and I, one thing I, I had told you the other day when we were, when we were just discussing a little, the, the rave scene to me was so bad and it, it, it <laughs> it's opens. Still, it's still, I fast forwarded it when I watched this movie earlier. I'm like, <laughs> I don't need to see this again. <laughs> and it took me out of the movie. I, th- I think because that movie was so bad, uh, that scene was so bad. It made the rest, even though the movie does get much better after that point. It both times I watched yeah. it when I was back in 03, which is what, you know, I could years. maybe defend the rave scene. If you oh, want to give me the floor can, for like 45 I seconds, I can, under, I, would, I, can I would love to see it, yes. why it's in the movie. Like okay. I know why anyway, sorry, go ahead, Mike. If you okay. want to. So for one minute or less, here is my defense. Mm-hmm. So while I was watching that scene, I got the thinking of the speech that Morpheus is giving to Zion itself and how he's saying it is not the path that lies ahead of me. It's the path that lies behind me for 100 years we've defeated these machines and that will still stay true tomorrow and you know what's going to happen tomorrow we could die but that could happen any other day and i see the rave as not just an act of defiance but as a but as a celebration of humanity showing we are not afraid you may come and kill us but you cannot break which that which makes us human the human spirit the human hope that we embody by dancing because even though armageddon is coming in mere hours we stand unafraid defense over okay um i i was gonna say something similar i think i think it's in the movie to show a contrast between the machine world and the human world that being said, I think it would be a much cooler scene if they cut back and forth between the rave and the machines digging to Zion. I think that would be a cool way to juxtapose the two elements to show here's hundreds of thousands of these sentinels trying to kill these people. 
but yet they're dancing and having a good time. They don't, instead, they just cut back and forth between the rave and the sex scene, which is fine. Uh, and again, I agree with you that it's there to kind of show this is humanity. This is what we're trying to protect. This is what's at stake if the machines kill us. I think where it fails is it's saying this is what's at stake. Awesome raves and terrible techno music. So it, <laughs> it just doesn't connect with the with the audience in that sense. But again, I get what they're going for. And the other thing I admire about it is how racially diverse it is. You'll notice every single race, uh, it's like a kaleidoscope uh, of people in, in that rave scene. And I think they hired uh, in the ex- in the bonus features. They say there was like nine hundred and seventy something people that showed up for that hmm. scene, which was one of the most extras they've ever had for any scene in in a Hollywood movie up to that time. So it's impressive from that standpoint too. That like even the people way in the deep background are real people. They're not actually CGI. Uh, it might be in like the super wide shots. I'm not sure, but sure. So that part of it, I think, is cool. But yeah, from like the story standpoint, it it stops the movie dead flat for literally about four or five minutes, I think, yeah. when I timed it out. <laughs> it really only needs to be maybe one to two minutes. Like the rave scene needs to be about as long as your defense of the rave scene. <laughs> right. It would be fine. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't like the music and I don't have a problem with tech. I just, I didn't like that. Just, I, I didn't like it was, the way it was. It was bad. Actually, I, know, I think was the problem. <laughs> actually, you know, what's weird. I was listening to the movie with 3d headphones. I was watching this on my uh, Xbox series X again, somewhat under the influence there's music underneath that music. If you really listen to it, there's actually a really interesting music underneath that. And if you take out the shitty rave, listen to the drums, listen to the, to, to the underlying oh, yeah, the, tones the, of the electronica. Cause there's a lot more there than just, we're going to throw gross amounts of sweat on people, but, right. but yeah, like, <laughs> like going back to the MTV movie yes. awards thing where they were the guy with the air and all the sweat flies. <laughs> I was actually oh, working in a Miami nightclub at that time. You know, 2000, I, I was actually, yeah, I was definitely working there cause I worked there throughout law school. Um, and uh, I think I was also just grossed out by it. like there's the dirty feet shots and the sweat and the, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was very claustrophobic and it was, um, you know, I, I had, when I, when we were talking about it before, I, I said it reminded me a bit of um, the opening scene in Climax, the Gaspar Noé film, which I love Climax and I love that dance sequence. And I think, you know, whatever. I don't. I don't know if you can save the rave scene. Like, I, I get your defense, Mike. And yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think even if the even if you justify the reason it's there, the execution still is yes. is bad yeah. for me. It needs to be half again, as think- long. Yes, the yeah. le- the length is really the worst part. If it was a, if it was a minute and a half, I don't think I probably would remember it enough because it was something that's and it's not just me. That's something people. That's a lot of the callbacks people make to these why the sequels didn't resonate very much is the Zion scenes and particularly that, you know, because there's a rave in the first movie, right? There's the nightclub scene. Yep. Yeah, and th- that works yeah, for and me. It, and in the third one, there's Club Hell, which right with the, the like guns an, and an the evil, mm-hmm. like opposite 
Again, like a yin yang moment. Like if the Raven Zion is the yin, Club See, Hell what, is kind of what the What club yang. would you rather be at? I wouldn't want to be at the dirty, sweaty place. I'd want to be with the French guy and the that like you know, that's actually sort of the club that's I used to work with in Miami. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that, I would that be. Like there's bar. a guy in the background with like a with like a strap on that I just noticed in my recent viewing. I would be that guy. Yeah, right. You, you would be the guy. <laughs> the guy standing in the background with a fully erect rubber penis. You're the guy in the rectum club in the other Gaspar Noé movie, uh, Irreversible. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. Gaspar Noé was actually. Is am I saying his name right? He was actually an extra. I'm not sure how you say it. He he was masturbating in the corner in the movie. He uh, he filmed him. I don't know. He filmed. I don't know. Yeah. What we call it? The director cameo was he was a patron in the yeah in the in the BDSM club masturbating in the corner. So good, you know, good for him. Anyway, charming. Uh, <laughs> that's what, yeah. Next week, next week on Hold Up, guess brand new way. Dissect that scene. No. Um. Anyway. Um. So that reloaded. Um. And then I never. I haven't. And then I, because of the bad word of mouth and because i basically read spoilers on whatever the 2003 wikipedia sort of thing was i never watched revolutions i was like yeah you know what um i don't like how this sounds i like the ending i made up in my head better i'm just gonna stick with that so the first time i've ever seen that movie was um this past uh, a week and a half ago or so when i when i watched it and uh, i didn't oh, hate wow. it i figured you would have you would have seen it before that. But. I would have figured too. And I like part of me was like, oh, I have seen this. But I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't. I've only seen. You've I've probably only seen, seen like clips from reviews. I've seen clips and, like and I've that. seen parodies. And um, I've seen him blinded. I've seen that maybe in a meme or something. I don't know. And I've seen the Trinity yeah. death scene with the rebars sticking out of her. But I never saw the fight with the Smiths. I never saw the rainbow ending. I never saw that terrible, terrible Zion fight where the guys he's in the he's in the Sigourney Weaver thing from Alien, and he's like uh-huh. ah, like for twenty minutes, and I'm like stop. And it looks like he's <laughs> playing Space Invaders. Because the stupid squid robots are doing like little patterns and he's like shooting into the pattern. And I was getting like pixels vibes from like Adam Sandler. And I was like, no, this is really bad. This is really bad. I want to see more Neo. Cut back to Neo. Yeah, I think that's the main problem with Revolutions uh, is that it cuts away from the Neo and Trinity storyline for literally, I think, over 45 minutes. It's like 45 to 50 minutes of the middle of the movie doesn't have the main characters in it and it's all side characters that we barely care about yes <laughs> and, the, and the problem M- too Mifune. is like the fight would be cool if the machines were somehow bipedal and it was like a gundam fight or something like that yeah or I, like I know a, the, the wachowskis sort of are big anime fans mm-hmm. and so they want like a mecha element in the movie the problem is the machines float in the air and the things that are fighting them are these bipedal like Gundam like things but they can't do any cool like fighting movements they just point into the air and shoot like Mm. you said 
yeah. it's the coolest thing doing the boringest thing it can do. Yeah, yeah. For, the, like you said, for twenty minutes. So yeah. long. The whole like dock fight sequence with the APU. Yeah, you're APU, right. It wasn't it. very well thought out, which is yeah, really well, unfortunate yeah. because the or idea put, put is one interesting. of the main characters and to put uh, Morpheus into the APU, and I would care a little bit more. Yes, yeah. that's you know, a big like, flaw. It was the little kid that everyone hates. Who I didn't really mind, but he's annoying. The yeah, Mister Mister, we won the battle. You know that that kid's horrible. And then the I guess isn't it the guy who gets all caught up in the face? Wasn't he the bad guy? Kind of. N- no, he was. No, yeah, like, I think you're. You're getting you're him getting confused with Locke. Locke. Oh, he's, not, okay, he's the similar. other guy. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. They do. Yeah, he's, somewhat he's look just alike, like the angry. Th- there's a lot of like weird like played out 1940s war movie cliche yeah i had some starship trooper vibes but i love starship troopers but starship troopers is making fun of the difference yeah starship troopers is making fun of old 1940s war movies whereas the matrix sequels are sincere about it because there's like the you're going away to fight in the battle here take my necklace for good luck scene that we've seen in like 50 other movies (laughs) there's the uh like the, you don't have my respect. You're only 16 years old, even though the actor who plays you is like 25. Get out of here! And then he's about to die, and he's like, "You earned my respect." Like, oh, and that's a very Starship Troopers too. Like, movie. guys, we won the battle. We won. We won the bugs. The bugs. Are, you know, like, isn't that something that Starship Troopers like parodied in the end? Wasn't one of like the young soldiers ran out saying, "It's scared. It's scared," or something? So, or they captured a brain. It just it had so many goofy vibes when the little kid like ran and like you know told the told the crowd that it was and it was it, it, it's like you said it's there was maybe the Wachowskis meant it somewhat tongue-in-cheek maybe there was because if you look at resurrection I'm sure we'll get into there's definitely a lot of slyness and stuff I see Trinity Ooh. and something happens Hello? something bad and she starts to fall and then I wake up now that's fucked up. I'm so sorry to interrupt you guys, but I'm really lost. Wait a minute. You're that boy from NC. What happened to your Jerry curl, man? That was a good look. Yeah, that was hot. You know them boys, right? I've never heard of them. You never heard of NC? No. Those boys can dance. Come on, man, show them your moves. Do I have to? I'm the Oracle, damn it. If I had to guess, I'd say you're a program from the machine world. Aw, oh, man, I'm just doing the robot. Here, you should try it. Yeah, work it. Come on, Neo, get in there, man. Do the robot. Why? Come on, man, you the one. You the one. You can do it all. No. Come on, man. No more origato, Mr. Roboto. You can do the robot with JT. What if I can't? What happens if I fail? Okay, dude, lighten up for real. It's just the robot. No. I can't do that. I won't. Well, hell, I will. Talk to me, boy. Don't be scared. Oh, God. Ooh. Come on, do the part. Do the naked part. 
I tried to be the one. I was fighting agents and trying to fly into them and stuff and failed miserably. This uh, is what happens <laughs> if you didn't get things completed in 314 seconds. Right, right. The that's the, the key is what happened. <laughs> uh, I, oh, that's another. I, 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 I love all that key master stuff. I just don't really understand it, but I like it. You know, I like I, I don't get all that stuff. I've watched that movie yeah, a couple times. Yeah, that's all times. the stuff I, I do enjoy from the sequels. Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I was actually I was gonna say when you were talking about Matrix Revolutions and you just like read how crappy it was, I had it mm. described to me by a kid on the school bus on my way <laughs> to school in grade ten who saw it in the theaters and described it as like the shittiest movie ever. <laughs> uh, and then then I watched it. Uh, pro- yeah, probably a year later, I think, because uh, like I said, my best friend was a huge Matrix fan, probably still is to some extent. Uh, and when he got the box set, we marathoned all three movies in a row. And Matrix Revolutions was actually kind of an amazing experience because when we got to that movie, there was a thunderstorm actually happening in real life uh, outside of the outside of my house. So we opened up all the blinds so we could see the actual like thunder and lightning uh, while Neo was fighting Agent Smith. And it was awesome. It was like being in a 4D theater. That Don uh, <laughs> Davis score during that scene is one of my favorite oh, pieces yeah. of music of all time. I love that. I don't bit. I don't love all of his music in these movies. There's points where it's just kind of boring, like dun, 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 dun. it's it's just kind of uh I don't know, a little bit hackneyed in, in some of the more boring scenes. It seems like he was bored with those scenes, so he just put like very standard music underneath them. But then he gets to that scene and yeah, he he knocked it out of the park with that. Uh and yeah, so actually for a while I I liked Revolutions maybe about as much, if not a little bit more than Reloaded. Oh. Uh and even now I would still I don't know if I would put them on a par. I think Reloaded is still a little bit better, but not that much. Not as much as other people would be like, yeah, Matrix 1 is a 10, Matrix 2 is a 7, and Matrix 3 is like a 4. Like, yeah, for me, it's like a 10, and 8, and a 7. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how like I would go too. Like I like how I would uh, how I would do it is the Matrix establishes the world. Matrix uh reloaded gives you more expanding upon the lore with the idea of the exiles the programs the sub routines etc and whereas the matrix revolutions is the conclusion of neo's story while leaving it open ended enough between the truce and and uh the machines and when the architect yeah. talks to the oracle can the peace last and that's a rather valid question. And obviously we get that answered in resurrections. Yeah, at last, but not without consequences. And it's kind of weird looking at how these movies hit now, now that we've had the benefit of time and whatnot to kind of digest it. And it's really weird because you start to see things that are referenced in the first movie addressed in resurrections. And there's no way this was planned out like 20 years ago, but there's a lot of really interesting parallels between Smith and Neo. And as we've mentioned, they're the kind of yin and yang of this. They need each other. They are connected uh, at the core. Yeah. And like I said, they're like, obviously Smith 
at the in in revolutions is I'm going to kill everything because he's literally insane. But at the beginning of Reloaded, he's really not mm-hmm. because he's looking for purpose. And what is the purpose of life? And that's a question philosophers have asked since the beginning of time. And you really think about Smith. He's looking at that's why he's copying himself. And when he copies himself over Agent, I, I think it's Thompson or Johnson. I'm not sure which one. Um, when it, when he cops himself over, and the ability, in my opinion, seems to get better at replicating himself. And then when he finally copies over the Oracle, now he's finding his purpose. So destroying the Matrix is only step one in his grand plan, because then humanity dies, then the machines will die eventually. Like he'll crash the servers. But even the the machines say there are levels of survival they're prepared to accept. So it's it's a weird yeah, thing. A, Both sides are fighting for life. There's a lot life. of interesting. Uh, I, I highly recommend watch these movies with the philosophers' commentary uh, with Doctor Cornell West, and I think the other guy's name is Bill Wilbur or Ken Wilbur. Uh, it's yeah. It, it it opened my eyes to these movies uh, thematically in a new way. Uh, and a lot, they express a lot of what you're saying, but obviously in bigger architect style, vis-a-vis concordantly type of language. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're both they're both like college professor. I think Cornell West. Uh, I think he's a he's pro- a very well respected guy now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he plays uh, Counselor West in the Matrix sequels, uh, and he's a Harvard professor, and he's written several books, etc. But yeah, one of one of the really important things they express is first off the the movies have to be seen as a trilogy in order to fully understand thematically the entire I don't know thing experience <laughs> whatever you want. Like I said, it's a, earlier it kind of evolved from just a film to like a cultural artifact at a certain point. Um, but also, there's a, a really interesting interplay where. The, the first movie, it's very, uh, very binary, very like black and white. The machine equals bad, human equals good. Getting out of the Matrix is good. Staying in the Matrix is bad. And then the sequels are like, is it though? <laughs> so they start to deconstruct all those things from the first movie that you kind of took at face value and say, maybe it it is better to stay in the Matrix. Maybe it isn't. Maybe some of the humans can be bad. Maybe the machines can be good. Maybe machines can, maybe programs can express love the way humans can. Uh, So there's an interesting interplay, and there's an interplay between the worlds of Zion, the world of the machines, and the world of the Matrix, where things from the Matrix are coming into the real world. Neo's powers in the Matrix are starting to bleed into the real world. Uh, stuff like that, where where the the things that were separate originally are starting to to bleed together a little. There was something that I really thought about last night, mostly because I played The Matrix online at one point, and there was, I think there was a faction called the Cypherites, and they had their own hovership called the Blue Dreamer. But I also got to really thinking about what that means, because obviously Cypher in the first movie says, I want to go back to the Matrix. I don't want to remember a thing. And I want you guys to think about this question that I'm going to ask you next. Okay, so let's assume that the choice is real. You are given the red pill. You are given the blue pill. 
you take the red pill, right? You wake up in the reality of the real world. Every relationship you've ever had is now severed. Do you blame Cypher for wanting to go back? Did he leave a wife? Did he leave a child? No. Now, yeah, well, yeah, of course exactly. they, but of course they say they don't free a mind past a certain age, but still that's your life. And to understand, like, I can see Cypher looking at the world thinking, am I tearing a, a family apart? Am I doing something wrong? And he says to Morpheus something along the lines, if I knew it was going to be like this, would I do it? So think about this. Put yourselves in Neo's situation. So let's say he's definitely about 30-ish when he exits the Matrix for the first time. Let's say you get woken up with that choice now. Think about everything you've accomplished. How hard would that hit your self-esteem, your idea of self-image, what your idea of success is, if all of it is a lie? But also, let's look at the interpretation of what is real. If it's only your uh, electrical impulses and stuff interpreted by your brain, that the experience is real. And there's a quote from uh, poet Tennessee Williams and I think it goes something along the lines, and it's actually quoted by Ghost and Enter the the Matrix. And it's sort of like truth is an experience, and only through that can the veracity of the truth be something something along those lines. Basically, you must experience something to know it is truth. So if in the Matrix you had a wife, you had a kid, you had relationships, that's real. That is your it's truth. It's your truth. Yeah. Exactly. So when you leave the Matrix. That's still a truth. And the fact that you wake up to the quote unquote reality, is it worth it to sacrifice that? And I think that's something that a lot of people, when they think, oh, I'd take the red pill, I'd fight against the machines. Think about that. Can you really say goodbye to everything? Everything you've ever known, every creature comfort, every bit of knowledge you have doesn't matter. And that's important to, to really kind of think about. There's even a piece of Matrix fiction that says, I think it's Agent White in the Matrix Online, straight out says, we can't put a blue pill back into the Matrix. It doesn't work like that. So you're asking a person to give up an awful lot mm-hmm. to fight against what may very well be overwhelming odds. And even the architect says, we've done this six or seven times. We tried to give you paradise. You wouldn't accept it. You need misery. And the problem with the matrix, as he sta- as he states, is the choice of the one is the problem is choice. You need to give people choice, whether the illusion of choice in order for them to be happy. And there was even a nightmare matrix where things were fucking terrible and the mind wouldn't accept it. Which, so that, why is that not a movie or a TV show or something? I yeah, want I, someone, mean, I want the Wachowskis be, to executive produce yes. a, a TV <laughs> series that takes place in an earlier version of the matrix with like vampires and werewolves and shit. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like th- there's so much potential there. And they even talk about, uh, the exiles programs that were meant to be deleted and not if, and because artificial intelligence, if you look in the second Renaissance, which is the animatrix film, the machine, which, pr- which is surprisingly good, by the way, I'm yeah. glad I rewatched it for this show. I really enjoyed the animatrix. They petitioned the United nations to work with the human nations of earth 
we can exist cooperatively. We don't have to be enemies. But the human said, nope, fuck you, and dropped nukes on their city of zero one. So well, yeah, and there's there's the component too of the the if the machines are evil, they only learned what evil was from the humans that built them. Yeah, exactly. So they can can only be evil because we programmed them that way. Yeah. I mean, and if the machine is a true intelligence, and if you look at sentience as the, the, as the form given thought of, I think therefore I am, they have a right to life too. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people really think about beyond the matrix. Here's a piece of calamari that can kill you. I I need to kill it so I can survive. Like the, like the Terminator movies basically have that kind of binary. Like the machines are bad. People are good. Kill the machines. Yeah. And the first matrix kind of has that too. And then again, the second matrix came out and was like, is it though? Should yeah. we have this kind yeah. of binary where this thing A is good and thing B is bad? Yeah, um, Disney, yeah. Disney has been doing this too a lot with the uh, the Star Wars TV show, like the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett show. I've been doing this a lot too with like, are Sand People really evil? Are all Stormtroopers really evil? And I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. I, yeah, I think exactly. it's fascinating. Yeah, like it's interesting to look at the other side of the coin because not all programs are bad. There's Ramakandra who ran a recycling program. Uh, his daughter, Sati, who grows up to manage what is essentially the solar cycle of the kind of matrix. I mean, even the Merovingian, I started thinking about this last night about what his purpose is. Cause there, there's a line that the Oracle says, and she says, he's one of the oldest of us. He's a trafficker of information. And I got to thinking yeah. maybe that is how humanity's collective unconscious is formed. Perhaps the Merovingian was a version of the collective unconsciousness that was a subroutine how people learn. And that was how the machines learned how to emulate people. I don't remember where I heard this, but I remember hearing somewhere that he's like an the Oracle replaced him. So he's like the earlier version of the Oracle uh, when the matrix just didn't work. And then after the Oracle came along, she replaced him. And that's why he hates the Oracle. And, and in revolutions, why he asks for the eyes of the Oracle. Um, so yeah, what you said kind of makes sense that he's, uh, he tried to balance the equation in a, through power, basically, instead of through human intuition, uh, and through choice. Yeah, exactly. Because the Merovingian does still have human traits, but he even says so himself. He doesn't understand it. You come to me without a co- without why. The well, key maker yeah, is all, a how. He's all about the cause of everything. Uh, if you understand the cause, then you can control the effect. Exactly. So he was all about if I can understand every single possible aspect of human behavior, I can control everything. Uh, which just and then the architect or the system of the matrix itself realized that's not possible. Humans are too unpredictable to be understood as a math equation. And hence he was kicked out and became one of my favorite characters in these movies. And I, I wish there was more of him in Matrix Reloaded. Um, and that he wasn't horribly mishandled in, in Matrix Resurrections, but 
again, we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was, this transitions perfectly because I was going to ask you, like, what, what do you think are the main themes of uh, The Matrix and, like, uh, how do they kind of relate personally to you? And we've, we've touched on quite a few of them. I think probably the the one big one that we haven't really touched on or that we've kind of touched on but not in depth is the idea of systemic control. Uh, the idea that the machines are trying to control the humans. And like I said, where the, the sequels kind of deconstruct everything that's established in the first movie. In the first movie, it's established if you wake up from the Matrix, you're free from that control. And then in the sequels, it starts to examine, are you really free, though? Are, or is this yet another level of control? Allowing people to think that they are free by waking up, is that a, a separate level of control? And I mentioned earlier, like the youth group <laughs> element of t- taking these movies out of context. Uh, these movies are have religious elements to them, but they are also extremely deconstructionist towards religion at the same time in saying that religion itself, uh, which allows people to free their minds and to, to wake up to the world around them can then also become itself another system of control. Uh, The religion whose purpose is to give people freedom ends up stripping that freedom away. Uh, And of course, you know, the, the youth pastor from when I was 15 never talked about that, but (laughs) um, so yeah, I'm curious what you guys uh, think about that. If you've, you've read any of that into this. Um, I found something very interesting last night and it ties more into enter the matrix, but there are elements in the films as well. And it relates to that annoying kid. Kid is his name. Uh, Michael, Michael Popper. Carl Popper. Yeah. yeah. So he was a, he's one of the few individuals who's able to self substantiate, which means he freed himself from the matrix. He realized the truth of what was going on around him. He, Neo did call him to tell him that bad guys were coming, but that's all he really knew. He knew the question, but he didn't, he, he found the answers himself. And I think the concept of the films for me is literally you can sub self substantiate yourself. You don't need a Messiah. You looked at the orphans who were at the Oracle's place and all of them are manipulating the matrix. They're starting to realize their own potential. And that's something that I've, I've always taken away from these films is you are your own potential. You choose your own destiny. And I'm going to read a Facebook post that I wrote last night. And it really kind of made me kind of think about things. So I'm just going to read the whole thing in in whole because I think it really kind of colors how I perceive the Matrix trilogy as a whole. Go for it. <clears throat> so last, so 18 hours ago, this line from Enter the Matrix has always has always stuck with me. You one one must want nothing to be different, not forward, not backward, not in all eternity, not only to bear what is necessary, but to love it. On some level, I've always known what amour fati is, and that's love of fate, but only in my current years does it make any real sense. I've had a complicated life and even a hard one at times, but my collection of experiences and the lives of those I've made better are a part of that. However, that means I must also accept the opposite as well. I may, I may live in a damaged body, even a damaged mind, but the heart and soul are different. 
I apply this to recent spiritual events and understandings of late, and I'm at peace with most things. Could I have wanted a different life? Sure. But then I would not have had the people and the relationships I have now. I'm still on a journey and it does not end here. I choose to love what I have and I choose to own what it is despite everything. And I think that's the, the idea of this is you're on your, for me, what, what I take away from the matrix is also the concept of like, I just spoke about, about being, you can raise yourself. You are your own savior, but also love what you have. Even all the terrible things that have happened to you. Like for example, Dave and I, we've been through some shit together. He's seen me at my worst. He's seen me at my best. And there will be long periods of time where me and Dave just don't get a chance to talk for whatever reason. He's busy. I'm busy. Life gets in the way, but I wouldn't change that because I know without these experiences being the way that they are, life is going how it should. And I have to embrace it both good and bad. It's not saying take life at a leisurely pace, but own it. If you're going to live the life you have, own it. And I'm okay with that. And because I'm experiencing more with my indigenous spirituality right now, like I'm really digging into the idea of the seven grandfather teachings, the creator, and just recent spiritual things with that as well. I'm okay with a lot of it. And I look at the path of some of these characters in these movies, like Morpheus to me was a very big inspiration kind of growing up because I see a guy who accepts his fate, wants to help people to bring knowledge because Morpheus is the Lord of dreams, the Lord of sleep. And he's trying to wake others up, spread that knowledge, spread the gospel of the one, which is ultimately still a lie to him because as the architect points out that's a layer of control even even morpheus has his own awakening sort of in in the second and third movies which i don't think the movies explore enough especially in the third one there's just not enough morpheus and not enough exploration of the impact yeah of what he has just learned uh, but, but that's that's more of a criticism of the movies but um he he never loses faith yeah and that's yeah, exactly that's something kind of special because can you think of many movies or pieces of fiction where someone, despite having their entire belief system tore apart before their eyes laid bare and he still believes that one person can change things. And there's even a line where Neo is fighting the Uber Smith in the pit. Why Mr. Anderson? Why do you do it? Why, why get up? Why suffer? Why are you doing this? Is it for love? Is it for hope? Only a human could create something as insipid as love. And he stands up and he flexes and he looks Smith and he does that. I'm not going to give up face. And he says, because I choose to. And I think that's something these movies illustrate more than a lot of fiction I can think of right now. And maybe you can call me an an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. But when you think of the idea of choice and self-determination, I can't think of many better scenes than that because I choose to. And I think that's what I walk away from. Again, I I love uh, Revolution's beginning at like the bookends of it, I guess, like the parts where they're rescuing Neo at the beginning and the whole end scene with uh, Neo versus Smith. 
Uh, I'm even okay with like Neo going blind and and Trinity dying and all all that stuff. I I, I think it works for what they were trying to accomplish in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just again that whole middle like 45 50 minutes. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Like, do you think those sequels would have been better if it was just and because I've been thinking about this a lot while watching them. Uh, in my head, I'm like editing the movies, like thinking, okay, I would keep this scene. I would cut this scene here. I would move this scene earlier. I would move this scene later. Do you think they would work better as just like one long two and a half ish, maybe three hour movie as opposed to like the five hours that we got? Or are you happy that we I think a mini series, <laughs> I think a mini series with really high production value could have really served the idea of the matrix, like have the matrix movie. M- the first one be its own thing and then expand upon the ideas in reloaded and revolutions and even resurrections as a television series. Like here, here's one mini series. You get 12 episodes, make it last, make it work. Give us characters that we care about, explore some of these ideas because there's stuff with, with, Niobian ghost that ties into Morpheus and even Persephone, the Merovingian and the key master they reference in the movie, but unless you played the game, you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was the, the problem too, with making this a big giant multimedia thing where like you, in order to understand every element of it, you have to read the comics and watch the anime and do all this other stuff. It's like movies uh, movies are the medium that they should really stand on their own as opposed yes. to other other mediums should help fine, but not like, be a core to the experience well and and like a comic book i'm fine with reading a comic book and there being a little like note that says see issue number 324 because that's the nature of the medium like uh, comic books are supposed to be self-referential and interconnected like that, but a movie should not require you to go to the Wikipedia page and read 15 minutes after the movie is over. It should it just stand on its own terms. And in that aspect, I think these movies kind of fail. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm curious, Matthew, like what are, are your thoughts, especially since, like you said, you've this is your first time seeing Matrix Revolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh did you think it would be better just as one like two hour movie or? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, there was just a lot of scenes that were, you know, like we, we talked about the rave scene. Four minutes should have been 45 seconds. Like there's a lot of things like that. Um, or the <clears throat> Neo Smith, the first Neo Smith fight. That's again, yes. it's like eight minutes. And, and honestly, minutes. that was great. The time hasn't aged so well, you know, and I'll, again, I'm watching this on a small, so I think I watched, I watched Re- reloaded on my TV, relatively small screen in my bedroom, you know, a different feeling in the theater. And it was just, it, there's a lot of repetitiveness where I get, you know, a lot of, I've seen this before. So I'm like, okay, let's move on to the next, like the car chase scene is a great scene and it holds up, but boy, is that a long scene. Oh God. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, it, I still love that part of the movie, <laughs> oh, I did though, too. but it really is a lot of, I think a lot of the problems with the action scenes uh, in the sequels, as opposed to the first, the first movie is just so such a tight, perfectly told story. And yeah. every single action scene is advancing the plot in some way. 
yes. or revealing something about the characters. And the, they have a, the characters have a lot more agency in the first Matrix. They they yeah. decide to rescue Morpheus. The action scenes are them getting Morpheus out of the building, stuff like that. The action scenes in the sequels, a lot of them are just point A to point B. <laughs> They're spectacle yeah. and they don't advance things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like we just we have to get on the freeway and we have to get off the freeway and not die. And that's <laughs> it. And it's not revealing anything about the characters that you don't already know. It's not advancing the plot. Uh, it just it looks amazing and it's fun to right. watch on its own. Uh, but it kind of slows down the movie in that sense. You know, g- going back to John Woo, that that is sort of uh, you know a lot of the action scenes in The Killer and eh, Hard Boy, you know, Hard Boy has the the last hour is basically the hospital shootout scene. Um, yeah. But the the initial you know let me introduce you to the character scene the bir- the the bird tea house scene. I, I don't think that those, those the gangsters they're fighting in that have nothing to do with the plot or anything. And you know, it's like a twenty minute shootout and stuff, and it's great. But um, you know, I, I guess you have that feeling sometimes with this, the the action scenes in the Matrix, where it's like if you're there to watch the action and the choreography and stuff, yes, that's great. Um, but yeah, it's is right. As far as plot advancement and stuff, it's it's not in service of that the way it was in the first the first film. Yeah, uh, and the problem too is if you're there to watch the action scenes, you're going to be bored out of your mind during right. the long, cocky, right. philosophical scene, which is the parts I enjoyed the most now. Yes. I would rather just fast forward the action and get to like the Merovingian speech mm. or whatever. That's the part I, I enjoyed watching. Um, but the yeah. problem is those those two elements of the movie are not incorporated super well, especially in Reloaded. It's it's just like we're going to have a 10 minute action scene that just gets the characters from point A to point B. And then we're going to have five minutes of people talking about something. And yeah. then we're going to have another action scene like they They don't flow together nicely like the action and the philosophy does in the first movie. So yeah. it has this weird choppy pacing where the movie <laughs> stops and they talk and then it like starts back up again. Right. So. <laughs> Well, you know, and I, I definitely think, you know, and the more I think about it, you could even throw away some of the Zion stuff with just Trinity and, and Neo oh, together so, flying. So much and of the just Zion be like, stuff. It's just yeah. like, hey, Morpheus, what's happening on Zion? The machines are attacking. They're, they're almost breached to the defenses and don't even show it. Just tell us because – uh, watching that was not the it was not the exciting action part. So that was uh, that was some really. Uh, I, I don't even think that was plus re- reloaded of- has like the beginning of the movie. They're like the machines are drilling to Zion. Okay, cool. Mm. You establish the threat. You establish the middle threat, of, yes. middle of the movie. They cut back to Zion. The machines are coming. We have like twenty hours left. Right. Okay. A time great. Clock, a time and at right, the right. end of the movie, the machines are co- okay, I get it. Like Yeah. And then they don't pay it off until halfway through the third movie. The th- like just right. tell me at the beginning of the movie the machines are coming and that and maybe a quick reminder at the end. That's it. Like, and, and, you know, even though I, I do enjoy the second movie and I don't hate the third movie. Uh, I, I you know I, I think the second one's better. I you I think you really you really the second one doesn't stand alone so well because, you know, it has the to be continued ending, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I saw some complaints with, with the about the dun, 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 no less. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> um, <laughs> like a TV show would. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I know some people complained about the new, Z- uh, Dune movie for basically being 
an extended trailer for a, a, a longer movie or something. Like I've seen too. it. Uh, I fucking um, loved the new Dune movie, but anyway, and I haven't seen it. Um, but I, but <laughs> I've like, seen that. It's like E movie of 2021 uh, for me. But. Does it stand alone though? Or is it somewhat like, is it the, have a to be continued? That's... I, I, th- I think it, it does. And it doesn't, it's kind of, it reminds me okay. less of matrix reloaded and more of like the first Lord of the Rings. And that okay. it does have kind of a very open ending where you know there has to be another one. But sure. I also felt I also felt very satisfied with what I was given because okay. it was just it was so good. Like I I loved all the characters, the action was great, the special effects and cinematography and music were all incredible. So that part didn't bother me as much. But I can see where the criticism is coming from that it just kind of ends. You know, like it feels like it should have either ended a little bit earlier or continued for another 15 minutes. It, it has a bit of a it ends at a weird point, <laughs> I would say. Um, oh, hello. Are you guys? Yeah, still yeah, there? yeah. I just want to oh, see okay. where <laughs> I, I, I think overall the series has a lot of really interesting potential there's a lot of wonderful supporting characters as as you just mentioned the world of the matrix is so infinitely flexible that you can literally do anything with it and i think that's the beauty which which is why i'm surprised they haven't done more yeah like the wachowskis created something great and what happens now is entirely up to warner brothers and them but there's something that I want to talk about, and it's this was going to come up sooner or later. Um, now, we want to talk about cultural relevance to steer the conversation. Um, the term red pill, when the movie oh, came the out. Big, the big red elephant in yeah, the room? Yeah, <laughs> the big red elephant in the room. And when the movie came out, obviously that meant being woken up to the quote-unquote truth of the real world, quote-unquote. And that has been co-opted by... A group online which called themselves Red Pills, and I'm not going to go too deep into it, but it took away from, I think, the beauty of this movie because there's so many things in it that are fantastic. Like one thing I mentioned off the very beginning of the show was the character of Switch. Switch was meant to be a person who started out in the Matrix as a female. When you saw them in, in the Matrix, they were female when they were in the real world they were a man and that was their true self their residual self image or maybe it was the, the other way around either way the idea of the character uh, switch that's, that's why that's pretty cool actually yeah and i'm thinking that would have been a much cooler concept and having the matrix as this trans allegory that's really kind of something special because your residual and that's really self- anti whatever the red pill like yeah. men's right people <laughs> yeah which is are, so strange yeah like there's an entire um manifesto online and unfortunately people that call themselves quote-unquote red pills get linked to the incel movement uh mg tau which is called men going their own way which holy shit you want to go down a deep Jeez. dark rabbit hole my god uh, <sighs> yeah i try to i try to avoid that kind of stuff but i, I did watch an interesting uh like review slash video essay looking at like the trans allegory especially in matrix resurrections and they touched on like the the whole red pill thing 
Uh, and the character of the analyst in that movie, especially, is basically like making fun of red pills. Like there's points where he's deliberately, like overtly misogynistic throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Neil Patrick Harris just knocks that part out of the park. Like he's, he's the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird that these people seem to have completely missed the entire point of uh, the, especially the Matrix trilogy. I think that's why a lot of them claim to hate the second and third movie, because like I said, those are the ones that deconstruct all of the like binary elements of the first film of like the machines are evil, the people are good. Uh, and once you awaken, uh, I know everything now. <laughs> and then the second and third movie are like, actually, you don't know everything just by awakening to the truth. There's like a second and third and fourth and fifth infinity layers of truth to awaken to. Uh, and yeah, these people just don't care about that kind of thing. They just they know what they know and no one can tell them differently, uh, which is a, a sad way to live life, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I don't know. Did you <laughs> did you have any thought? Because Matthew, I think I was telling you in messages the other day, like we were talking, and you didn't know that all this stuff about the red pill movement, and you were like, "Are these like Trump people? Like, who is this?" Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I like as you guys know, and as most listeners or listeners who uh, follow, no, I, I haven't lived in the United States in over six years, seven years now. Um, no, that doesn't mean I don't know what happens in the United States. Yeah, every, everyone in the these... world knows what happens in the United States. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when it comes to these like weirdo alt-right, you know, um, I go on Reddit and like those are the, you know, I see I see these threads and stuff about, you know, um, you know, like, like, you know, you look up Matrix Resurrections and you just see people just attacking someone because they refer to um, the Wachowski sister as a sister and they get so angry about it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I distance myself online from any of those sort of um, incel alt-right you know, men's rights, white, tri- you know, those, those are the, the people who yeah. they get the Insta block on the YouTube comments and the, you know, they're just, they're just awful. And yeah, the, the fact that they consider them like, I, I guess they're all, often, they're part of the Rick. I like Rick and Morty a lot, but that, that show has a very toxic fan base. Many members of that, uh, you know, it's a, a lot of people who walk around thinking that they're Rick when they're, they're really just a, a Jerry living in a, you know, living in mom's, um, mom's basement, uh, just despising women and, you know, everything, but, oh, connection. Oh yeah. It says, uh, lost connection to server. Okay. I can hear you. Can you oh, hear yeah. me? I can You're hear. good. Don't worry. Okay. It'll still stay yeah. on the top of oh. local. Oh, okay. Gosh, I was afraid it happened again. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, no. So I just, um, yeah. Um, I, I didn't delve too deep into that, but I was just familiar with, and I guess these red pill people are basically a lot of Trump people, you know, like, like you were saying, Mike, men who go their own way, incels, men who hate women. Yeah. Just, um, and I don't, I don't get why they have to co-op things I like. You know, why do they have to glom onto Rick and Neo? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I was worried whatever. too that it would, <laughs> it would diminish the film's quality, or that I would go back and rewatch it and find things to be like, oh yeah, this is kind of incelly or, or this mm. very much of the late '90s, and we we know better now, uh, as I found with 
watching like the scary movies, for example. Yeah. This was yeah. the stuff we Over used to joke about clerks. 20 years ago. Um, clerks definitely had a lot of that when we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. The whole like uh, the homophobia that was just everywhere back then. Homophobia, uh, the um, I, I shaming, shaming the woman for having oral sex. Um, yeah. 37. You know, Caitlin... Yeah, thirty seven in a row. Yeah, but yeah, I um, yeah, one thing I did want to touch on too. I, I hope it's not disconnected. But when when um, Mike, you're talking about the pill and what the choice to t- Morpheus does a really terrible job of explaining the two. Yeah, choices. he really does. You know, he's kind of like they, this will just set you free. This is the truth. He doesn't really get into details of what. Oh yeah, really he doesn't happens. say like well, well, I understand you find the truth. <laughs> Can you join me in my resistance against the machines? You'll probably right. die. <laughs> and again, religion, religion is kind of like that too. And the, the sequels do deconstruct that element of it, that religion is, it, uh, oftentimes is just like, join the youth group. It's fun. We have cookies. Right. And then once you get there, it's like, by the way, can you change literally everything about yourself and, and stop being gay? <laughs> or whatever thing, whatever it might not right, be that you're gay, but whatever right. thing about you we don't like, right. can you change that? Like, and hey, join you us have in the fight against the liberals yeah. or whatever. Right, um, <laughs> own the libs. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's definitely, <laughs> yeah, he do, he doesn't say any of that like, kind of stuff. I came across that in my red pill research. <laughs> own the libs. That's a fa- that's a oh, very geez. popular rallying cry on the. Those people, <laughs> um, yeah. He, Cipher, I get Cipher. I w- I really wish Cipher was incorporated in the newest movie. I I, I guess the actor, um, he what's his Joe Pen- jo- Joey Pantolone? Pants, yeah, <laughs> Joey Pants- Joe Pantoliano, I think. He was making a public request to the Wachowski sister who directed it that he wanted to be in it, and I guess was ignored on Twitter. And I don't know how they could have incorporated him, but. Um, he why not? They, well, ultimately, uh, Neo could have recreated him from his memories, like he did Smith and Morpheus. Oh, right, yeah, because Trinity and Neo died in the first the first trilogy, obviously. So, yeah, why not have um, Cipher as some kind of a program? Yeah, Right, exactly. I think that would have been cool, especially since he was really gung-ho about it. And I was going to say, too, that the Resurrections does kind of touch on the fact that the red pill, blue pill thing, it doesn't really offer you much of a choice. Like, most people, when presented with that, uh, just natural human curiosity will lead us to want to know the truth no matter what. So most people would take the red pill... Although I think Ken Wilber in the philosophy commentary says if it was the 60s, you'd take both pills and see what happens. But <laughs> um, What's the movie where the guy gets buried alive? Oh, The Vanishing. Remember where he's like, I just want to know what happened to my wife. I don't care. You know, let me let me get. And then basically he's like, OK, I'll do exactly what to you, what I did to your wife. He drinks the coffee, passes out. And he wakes up in the in the buried alive in the coffin. But he's like at peace because now he finally knows what happened to his wife. Guys, I've, I've never advice. seen that, but that sounds. It's it's a really good Dutch movie, and then they made an American remake, same director, but in the American remake, again, spoiler alert, whatever. Like he has a new girlfriend who comes and rescues him and kills the bad guy, and it has like this the complete tacked on Hollywood ending, and uh, people hated it because of it. But yeah, the and it was Keeper Sutherland, I think, was the American version, um, and Jeff Bridges. Nancy Travis, I can't remember who played the wife, um, but anyway, yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, 
the Dutch version. The American version is worth watching. It's just the ending is so so, so like Hollywood cut studio. Paste on, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like, hmm, what character could rescue him from being buried alive? Oh, Nancy Travis. She was in this movie. Let's have her somehow follow him out to this cabin in the woods. And it was just – but anyway, it's a really good movie. But um, And it just reminds me of that because, like, you would – you want to know yeah, – you, the viewer, want to know so bad what happens even though – Right, exactly. Even though it ends in your horrible death, you want to know the truth. That's just human nature was my point. Yeah. So what what do you guys think of of the Matrix, especially the first one, being like a trans allegory, like uh, as the as the Wachowskis assert that it is now? Because I I never thought of it that way at the time. I uh, think the idea of self residual image, and when you go back into the Matrix, and when you I I think the idea of being able to awaken to your true self is something very important and like i said with the original character of switch being what they are but also in the movie they're meant to be very androgynous and non-binary and that's just how it's supposed to be yeah i know i noticed that about the way switch looked as well so i thought that was really good and i mean i i just love the idea that you determine what your truth is what your reality is whether you wake up to a red pill or a blue pill the choice is ultimately yours and it's okay whichever way you want to go because like i said i can see where cypher's coming from when i really think about it and if someone said to me today mike you have to wake up in the matrix but you have to leave behind your wife your cats your friends and everything you've ever done i would say no and i don't yeah, and too. i don't think that's a wrong thing to say but some people choose to live not the more difficult life, but they live what's more authentic to them. And anybody who's ever comes out as trans or non-binary or whatever, that's a respect I got to put a little bit of something on because you are doing something that is going to take society as a whole a long time to accept because you look at the rate at the history of the civil rights movements and race movements, like slavery, like, slavery slavery has only ended in relatively recent history so yeah i mean if if it ended at all yeah so (laughs) you look at how question there's ways it was kind of co-opted into other aspects of society yeah like when you look at the idea of the lgbtq plus community and the rights and recognition they're fighting for they have made great strides in the last like couple of decades but it's going to take a long time for your regular everyday people. And I, I I use that term remarkably lightly just because we aren't the ones, well, I'm not part of that community. I'm an ally, but for the history books to change, to reflect what is right, everybody should have the choice to be who they want and who they feel is authentic to themselves. I have several very close people who uh, fall into those communities and it is a bit of a change, but that's okay. I described my one friend who came out to me as, you know what? You're the same person, just a different coat of paint. You're a variation. You're like an action figure. You're just a different variant. And that's cool. I love you just the same. Um, 
but please don't wear those pants. Let's get you something cooler. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I'm really glad the Wachowskis can take ownership back of that. And to any stupid person who gets angry at them for taking away their cool action hero, Messiah, you miss the point. And that's okay because one of the things I think the Wachowskis want to understand is it's okay to miss the point as long as you're willing to listen and have a conversation. Find your truth within this. The mish, the the story is up to interp- interpretation. And I talked about this at the beginning of the show where there's a, a, a philosophical concept known as gnosis. Gnosis is, I think, the philosophical concept of understanding as much as you possibly can, seeing it from all different angles, but understanding that you will never understand everything. Um, But you have to find a thing that works for you. And with my spirituality right now, there's a concept um, of creator and that it looks at there are some things that will you will understand why 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 do the seasons change why do the birds come where they do but there's some things you will never understand when you even look at the scope of science and technology now can you explain to me what is dark energy and dark matter no you can't because science hasn't figured that out yet will they ever figure it out yeah. maybe we we don't know like for example and i'm just going to tell this story super quick I was talking with my spiritual advisor yesterday, and I said to him, my faith in reality and science is based upon one very simple principle, M82. M82 is a galaxy that is 13.2 billion light years away. It has taken that light that long to reach the planet Earth, and we can see it. We can measure it. We know exactly what it is. But you look at things like neutron stars and how they pulse at a very regular beat, like like an atomic clock on a much grander scale. But you look at how the planets work, how environments and biomes all function together. That's divine math. That is something, if there is an intelligence behind everything, I could very easily believe that because something so complicated and complex cannot be created without purpose, without reason. And that goes to Agent Smith's line of thinking. That's purpose. That is design. And does that mean we're alone in the universe? Almost certainly not. Um, To expand upon that, that's, again, story for a different day. But when I talked to my spiritual advisor, he said, and I think you get the idea behind creator, some things man will know and some things man will not. And when I look at the matrix... Again, I refer to that Tennessee kind of Williams quote, you have to find your own truth. And when you find your own truth and and that is your lived experience, that is your truth and no one can take that away from you. But if you choose to challenge that truth and find something else, that's okay. Wow. Very well put. (laughs) I don't think, (laughs) I don't think I have anything uh, really to add to that. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you did make me think of a, a few interesting things, but damn, I, yeah. I love, <laughs> I guess in my, in my own spirit, in my own spiritual journey of sorts. Uh, and again, for me, it's more of a, of a religious deconstruction that I've, I've talked about a little bit on this show. 
that I was very, very fundamentally Christian and now am, have moved into more of a form of agnosticism uh, where I, I had, I walked into the world with like clenched fists and now I'm trying to approach everything with open hands. Uh, so again, I think in that sense, the matrix sequels, especially for as flawed as they were, <laughs> do have that kind of uh, uh, deconstruction element to them where it's saying like, this is, this isn't a binary. This is a lot more complex than that. Uh, waking up doesn't mean you wake up to the truth, capital T. It means you wake up to a truth exactly. and there might be another layer of truth on top of that. Uh, so like, I'm not saying that uh, because I don't consider myself a Christian now, it doesn't mean like the Bible is a hundred percent wrong, but it's just, I don't consider it the truth anymore. Capital T. I think there is some truth in there, but I think it is just one layer of truth. So it's interesting revisiting these films now and seeing uh, some of those elements in it that I didn't understand before, plus understanding the plot of the Matrix sequels a lot more. I, I think it just takes four or five or six viewings to actually understand what's going on. And, and the, the architect's speech makes way more sense to me now, just because mm -hmm. my grasp on the English language is much better than it was when I was 15. Um, I know what vis-a-vis -vis and concordantly mean, <laughs> though I don't use them in my everyday language unless I'm writing an essay. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> look at the Merovingian in a completely different uh, light now because I looked at, frankly, the orgasm cake scene well, says a lot yeah. more when you really think about it. I thought about the level of control that he exerts over this woman by manipulating a piece of code and how one experience can change someone. And it's real. Like I said, there's so many in different things. In order to go give him a blowjob in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah in order to go give him a blowjob, but <laughs> cause and effect. I didn't pick effect. up on that when I was a kid either. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay. They fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on her lips, your love. Uh, yeah. But yeah like, oh, I love that scene. But yeah. The, lipstick? There, there's no lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> like th th there's so much to be said with so many of these characters and so many of these ideas and concepts. Like I said, I really hope Warner brothers continues to do something with this IP. There was a new game that was released on PC, Xbox series X and PS five, which is called the matrix experience where basically you drive around the mega city, but there's also a car chase sequence where you're running with bugs and Trinity from a bunch of agents, which is really cool. So it's a neat experience, and I hope that's a tech demo for something that will come later, because I would love to see The Matrix Online come back, but online games as a service, well, World of Warcraft ain't doing all that hot, but hey, Microsoft just bought them for $70 billion, so what the fuck do well, I know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we'll, well see. I mean, they also, they also got Call of Duty in that. I feel like Call of Duty and Candy Crush was the main things they were looking for in that deal, and world of warcraft is along for the ride yeah like uh, but anyways <laughs> but, but yeah like it boils down to there's still legs in this franchise but if the wachowskis want to yeah. put it to bed it's okay i i don't think it's a bad ending neo and trinity do get there happily ever after the truce between the machines and man is still in place um yeah there's some tension but that's 
real world. I mean, if nobody's figuring out how to live in true utopian world peace within however long the matrix happens, that's just tension within humanity. The object is not to annihilate your enemy is to learn to live with them. Can you learn to work with them? Perhaps, but at least you're not shooting at each other and you respect each other's boundaries. I think that's one of the reasons people didn't enjoy the sequels so much the first time around is because the ending of, and this even got me at first, like I thought the matrix was going to end with the matrix shuts down and literally everyone wakes up and all the machines die. And the, the Wachowskis are saying, no, (laughs) that's, that's not, because uh, that's not true happiness. Because, like you said, uh, Cypher, if you look at Cypher, not everyone wants to wake up, first yeah. off. Second of all, the machines are sentient beings and they they are capable of loving each other, even. And so having them all die is literally it's a murder. genocide. Oh, yeah. So that, that's not a happy ending either. But for like Mr. Hollywood. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer action guy, the ending you want, like growing up watching Terminator movies or whatever, is the humans win and all the machines die and the humans repopulate the earth. And and then not getting that and having to come to terms with that has been an interesting journey for me and I guess probably for a lot of people uh, going back and revisiting these movies and realizing, oh, this is actually a much smarter ending than I realized because they're not going with the stereotypical Hollywood yay we killed all the machines ending it's the actually we have to lay down our arms and i think there's even a point where uh in revolutions where uh morpheus puts down his gun and starts walking towards the machines and niobe's like what the hell are you doing you're gonna get yourself killed and he's like no it's okay they're like something is happening now where there's there's a peace between us and i can feel it so yeah, there's a lot to like here. I think we've we've also we I don't think we've talked about everything that I dislike. <laughs> there is a lot I dislike about the sequels. Uh, there's a lot of like terrible CGI. There's some really bad editing, weirdly, which is weird because the first movie won an Oscar for editing and is one of the best edited films I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but especially the dialogue scenes in the sequels is just horribly edited. <laughs> Um, but there's still, in, in, in spite of all of that stuff, there's still so much to love here that I completely forgot about, uh, and just remembered all the crappy stuff like the rave scene. So <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys have anything, uh, anything to add to that good or bad, especially related to the matrix sequels before we, I think the music in these movies is really fantastic, especially because they don't use a whole ton of licensed music, which is nice. Although there is a musician used extensively in reloaded. Um, I can't Rob no reactor. No Rob something. I can't remember his, the, I, I know the one title is called, furious angels and that's where he fights the upgraded uh, upgraded agents in the first part of the movie that track is amazing uh, i think it's name i think his name is rob d rob dugan or something like that and the don davis score for revolutions i will f- die on this hill <laughs> much like you dave i saw that scene at some time during a thunderstorm and you could feel the intensity of the lightning. And when I was listening to it last night with my 3d headphones, again, 
transcendent experience so yeah like i think there's a lot to love here the motorcycle chase scene still holds up today especially when you've gone to film school the the in cameras like like the cgi stuff doesn't hold up but the stuff they did in camera the fact that they built their own freeway and those scenes where the stunt driver is driving against traffic are real like yeah that's insane i mean some some of the cars on the freeway are CGI. Like they added additional cars and the, that stunt driver had like little X's on the road that she had to hit based on where they knew they were going to put the cars. Cause they had the whole sequence pre It's just crazy. The amount of work that they put into it, but yeah, that stuff is just incredible. Even if, like I said, it doesn't really, a, a lot of these action scenes are just point A to point B. I still love watching them because of all the work that went into them, because of all the the, the fight choreography, uh, all the work that these actors had to do uh, to prepare for their roles and to be able to do actual Kung Fu when they didn't know how to do it beforehand without being able to just program it into their heads. Uh, I appreciate all that stuff a lot more now, I guess. So I asked you at the beginning of the show, you've been given the red pill. You're about to enter your own ship in Zion's fleet, but you must leave your blue pill name behind forever. What is your name? Oh Oh my gosh. I forgot about this. (laughs) (laughs) Can I be the lawyer or is that too like on the nose? That sounds like a machine program, and I could yeah, actually the, the give you a reason. Always thaw something. So, if you were the lawyer, you would be in charge of designing the systems in which function over um, potentially even ecosystems or how certain systems interact with each other, because those are built on laws. So you would work with the architect to design the laws of physics, the laws of gravity. So if you have to change a law, you have to go talk to the lawyer. <laughs> I like it. You you are a machine exile. Yeah, cuz you know kind of like an old school lawyer who the machines have upgraded and you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you are from the nightmare matrix. Right, something. right. Back when lawyers actually did you say I rest my case and then you fight Neo like with an actual briefcase? <laughs> that would be awesome. The lawyer. Um no, I, I like you were talking about Gnosis earlier. I think Gnosis would actually be a pretty cool name yeah. for a character. Yeah, so there you go. And your backstory, just to give you a little bit of the tabletop role playing experience. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you you were freed from the Matrix but became conflicted when you heard about the prophecy of the one, but also saw the machines and the exiles as people too. What side do you believe the propaganda of the humans or do you understand the plight of, of the machines? So by being agnostic, you are looking for understanding. You don't discount either side must side must both be weighed a coin to be balanced. So that is where your gnosis comes from, for you looking for understanding. Yeah, and the idea of of knowing that you don't know anything. Exactly. So there there we go. go. We have have (laughs) cast the lawyer and gnosis. There you go. (laughs) 
I put entirely too much thought into that, but not bad for coming up on the spot for like two (laughs) minutes. (laughs) Yeah, actually, we've we've come up with some pretty cool Matrix fan fiction ideas uh, during this episode. Again, I love the idea of something that takes place in like a prequel, like in an earlier version of the Matrix. uh, Someone waking up to like the monster nightmare world of the Matrix and being like a Van Helsing type of character. And then responding to like glitches within that code because it's an earlier version. I don't know. That would be a really cool novel or something, I think. But yeah, did you, I, I know, Mike, you said you saw Resurrections. Uh, Matthew, did you get a chance to watch I actually, uh, Resurrections as I well? downloaded it and I watched about half and I was enjoying it. It wasn't that I couldn't, I just couldn't keep my eyes open because I, you know, I, I just on the personal level, I, uh, I downloaded, I think, right before we went to San Andreas. There, I didn't have any time to, to watch it, and then I started watching when I came to, when I moved my stuff in here. But just between going back to work and online classes and stuff, it was just I haven't had the chance to finish it yet. And also rewatching these <laughs> all these movies here, and uh, yeah, you know, and some other stuff I've been watching, some series and stuff I was catching up on. So. Um, I, I did watch the Red Letter Media thing, so which makes me want to watch it more because they had a fun, a very fun. That was a very fun watch to watch them do it. Um, so yeah, I yeah, will be they, they had. I watched a lot of different reviews of it, and it's very polarizing. Like I've seen some reviews where people just talk about uh, how much it sucks. Yeah, I think if you're expecting a typical Matrix movie like the first mm-hmm. three, you're going to hate it. Uh, if you kind of come into it with open hands, you will, at least for me, I enjoyed it in some sense, mm-hmm. but there is stuff about it that definitely does not work at all. The action is terrible. Yeah, I, but I do, I do <laughs> like love that she tried something different. Movie. I do love that she didn't just remake yeah, Matrix. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, I think that's pretty cool and pretty gutsy that they went meta with it and stuff. And, um... Yeah, there there are moments of it that remind me a lot of like Wes Craven's New Nightmare, where oh, like the original okay. franchise has run its yeah. course, and now we now we're gonna step outside of that and analyze it, like like you said, like meta analytically, yeah, like all those screen, <laughs> like what does screen this movies actual franchise basically. mean? Yeah, and and what are what are the implications of Hollywood wanting to? reboot everything right should we even be should they be doing this like uh the movie kind of examines that i feel like it fell apart for me a little bit in the second and third acts after like what is a nearly perfect at first mm-hmm. act i really really enjoyed the the opening stuff with where uh neo is in the in his like gaming job going to the psychiatrist like uh, that stuff worked really well for me. And then the real world stuff, like when he wakes up and all that without giving too much away is cool. Like I like where they went with the matrix universe, mm-hmm. but the story itself was a little bit bland. And then it has a really weirdly like a happy, I like that it had a happy ending, but the way it ends is really tonally kind of weird. Like I wish it had ended about five minutes earlier um i don't know mike what are your thoughts i liked it 
how it wrapped up. I kind of wish we had a little bit more definitive answers between what's going to happen, but I like, I got, I got my ending for Morpheus. I like new Morpheus. I like the cooperation between the machines that have left. The exile still exists. Some people still cling to the old ways, but I like the fact that it leaves the universe open, but if the story ends here, I'm fine with it. I mean, I do wish that Neil Patrick Harris is a different type of casting than I would have expected. Okay, sure. Why not? Okay, sure. Um, I like the new Agent Smith, actually, a lot. I think he channels a lot of the Hugo weaving energy, which I think is Mm -hmm. cool. Um, It would have been nice to see what happened to... um, Seraph, because uh, he was the protector for the Oracle and Sati. Yeah, I was kind of hoping he would be in it. Um, and actually, to a to a lesser extent, uh, even the 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 kid, the yeah. annoying kid that we complained yeah, about right? earlier, <laughs> uh, it seemed like it would have been a cool idea to bring him back, but have him be have him be like the Mifune of this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. like that would have been that great. But yeah, like I think overall with the Matrix quadrology, I hope we get some comics. It would be cool to see a an animated series, perhaps. Uh, I'm open to whatever. I would love a new yeah, video like game. A, a second Animatrix yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, like yeah, there's a lot more to this world to be explored. I think than just Neo and Trinity. To some extent, I almost wish Matrix Resurrections didn't have them in it. It was just its own weird thing with totally new characters. Uh, But for what it was, I mean, from a studio standpoint, Warner Brothers was going to make this one way or another. And they were probably aiming to make it with uh, at least Keanu Reeves if they could. Because they need to get the big name in there uh, to get butts into seats, right? So... Even though it didn't work in this movie, yeah. bombed horribly, it makes sense that they're going to have there. No matter what, they're going to try to bring Keanu Reeves, and then along with him comes Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, but a part of me was like, I feel like this would have been more interesting with just new characters living in the aftermath of the war. 50, 60 years later, let's kind of see what happened and maybe start a whole new trilogy within this universe. Uh, but for what it for what it had to beat in order to make money, it was as good as it could be, if that makes sense. Uh, even though, again, there's parts about it that just like the like I said, the action was boring. Uh, there's parts where I couldn't tell if it was like trolling me or making fun of like the the whole concept of reboots and legacy sequels. Or if it was being a reboot legacy sequel, like either this movie is expertly trolling me or it's being the boringest copycat legacy sequel of all time. It's better than Star Wars Force Awakens. Once I recognize that and I got that. (laughs) At least this movie says something. Yeah, because Force Awakens was sincere about just copying Mm -hmm. the original. This was copying the original in order to make fun of the concept of copying the original. (laughs) So once I realized that, then I was able to enjoy it in spite of how silly it was. And there were times I was openly laughing at this movie because it was so ridiculous. But that was I feel like that was also part of the fun at the same time. Like, at least I was having a reaction to it. I wasn't bored throughout, you know? So 
Yeah, if you haven't seen Matrix Resurrections and you're still listening to this podcast <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> please, uh, yeah, go check it out. I think it's, it's interesting at the very least. I, I will not say it's perfect. I will not. I will not even say that it's great. It's it's weird. It's it's a good <laughs> epilogue. Which, it's not necessary to see, yeah, but yeah. it's nice. No, it's kind of like how I felt about the Breaking Bad yeah. movie. Like, I was fine with the way Breaking Bad ended at the end of the series. I didn't need El Camino, but I enjoyed El Camino for what it was. It was entertaining for two hours. Um, and this is kind of the same way. Like, I'm fine with the way Revolutions ended, but this was interesting. <laughs> it it raised a lot of interesting concepts even in the parts where i was kind of bored in the middle act where they talk about like machines fighting machines which okay that's cool or like the they're using they're actually using the code in the matrix to genetically engineer things in the real world and like grow strawberries and stuff uh these are interesting concepts so yeah, the movie, it will give you stuff to think about, even if you're laughing at how ridiculous and stupid it is at times. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, check it out. So, yeah, I guess we've we've done it with I, I actually figured we would be talking for longer, to be honest, because <laughs> there's just so, there's so much to unpack with these movies. Uh, I guess if if we wanted to, we could get into the really nitty gritty. But I feel like it, all that kind of stuff has already been explored Ooh. on the internet of like points where the plot uh, well deviates from the point or how boring the Zion scenes are and all that stuff. Like we, we've heard all those analyses before of like why, why these movies don't work. So I'm kind of glad we, we veered into like the weirder conceptual stuff that doesn't, I mean, look at stuff. it this way. Gnosis, look at what you Look at what you kind of gave us Whoa. instead. You gave us our own path to our own truth. And that's what this is. We explored what these movies meant to us. And now other people will then then take that information yeah. and decide what they want to do with it. Are they accepting ours or will they look for their own? And I really encourage people to write into the show, post on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you guys have a social media presence and talk. Like have questions. I mean, have genuine conversations. And really, I I'm I dare to use the phrase free your mind, but I would say free it from expectations. Rewatch these movies in whatever part you are in your life now, and you'll find they hit different from 1999 to 2003 to 2021. You're going to find things are a little bit different now that you're older and have different experiences under your belt. It's going to, it's yeah. going to be different for you. And I'm sure in t 10, 20 years from now, they'll hit different yeah. again because there will be different cultural things to th think about. They hit different in the Trump era than they did in the Bush era. And now in the, uh, whatever era we're in now. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to continue exploring these uh, movies. But like I said, I feel like I'm done watching them for a while. Uh, after packing my brain with nonstop Matrix knowledge for the, for the past like week and a half. Yeah, but I knew it was Ashton the whole time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, in a few seconds, we'll be sipping on some Chris and watching the 2003 MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> Good 
playing around, Sean. I'm not, dude. My key won't fit. You must be the ones. Oh, cool. It's a super. Actually, I'm the key maker. Don't worry. You'll be inside in just a moment. Awesome. Thanks. What's happening, hot stuffs? So I guess that's a good segue to be able to talk about, to, to wrap up the show by talking about uh, just what have we been watching? What have we, we been enjoying lately? Is there any new fun shows or old shows that you're I've been watching a lot of Narcos. I'm watching the series right now with my wife. Uh, we're watching, we're almost at the end of Narcos season two. Uh, so we're going to start Nar- Narcos uh, Mexico once we finish that. Then I'm going to watch a series called Animal Kingdom. I'm biding my time until Star Trek Picard Season 2 because if you disappoint me, I will bring the Borg Collective upon your head, Jean-Luc. Um, and I'm also patiently waiting for more information on the Halo TV series, which comes out this year. The first trailer was released fair, fairly recently. It looks fantastic. I've been playing a lot of Halo Infinite. Dare I say I'm actually getting pretty good at it. I've pretty much thrown aside Call of Duty for this year because Vanguard is trash. I'm not having fun with it anymore, so it's getting deleted off the hard drive probably after I'm done this recording, actually. I would like my gigabytes back, please. Um, and that's something I never thought I'd say. So, Fair enough. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Uh, what about you, Matthew? Uh, let's see. I finished the Dexter New Blood. Uh, weird ending. Good show, bad ending. Um I didn't like how it ended, but it. Okay, wasn't that the same with the? I haven't watched Dexter, but wasn't that kind of? The no, same well, the, the, okay, the well, Dexter the original had. had a horrific train wreck ending. This just had a somewhat disappointing ending. Uh, okay, but I, I understand why they did it, and I, I, I it's fine. It was, a, it was a good season. Um, Righteous okay. Gemstones have just started again. I think this episode three is a Danny oh, McBride, John yeah. Goodman show. I really love that show. Afterlife was really good. Yeah, I've also been watching the first few episodes of that. It's, um, it's I recommend uh, Ricky Gervais has a has a comedy drama called Afterlife. Um, his wife, who he adores, dies of cancer, and just him and he's a he's a reporter. It's a, it's a very small. Show not a lot of characters, but it's very good. I like it a lot. Um, that, that's uh, oh, I loved. Uh, I think you should leave. That was great. So funny, Tim Robinson. Um, I'm so glad I caught that one. Oh yeah, people keep telling me to watch or in like podcasts I listen oh, to. Oh, it's, keep it's one of the funniest that. sketch shows I've ever seen. I do want to see the Tim and Eric bedtime stories. I guess that is um, that's another one I'm, I'm looking forward to. You know, benching. Um, I don't think I've okay. I saw the Spider-Man movie in Spanish. Really enjoyed it. Um, I watched it in the theater. So why I watched it in Spanish? Um, in Apialis, there's no English option. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> um, anything else? Did I, have I told you about anything else I've been watching? I've I've been lucky. I've been enjoying all these things that I've been watching. Um, so. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of good stuff that I keep not getting around to seeing because I keep watching stuff that I or like trying to finish stuff that I started right, a long right, time right, ago. Right. Uh, the Expanse, for example, came back uh, for its final season, uh, which is 
was fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't say disappointed with the ending. I would say the same as you with like the Dexter ending a little bit weird. It feels like they, it feels like they wrapped it up really quickly because uh, Amazon prime told them to kind of thing. Like it should have gone on at least Mm -hmm. one more season, but I'm satisfied with the ending I got and also open to if they want to make like the expanse, the movie or another expanse mini series or something like, I'm always open to go back to that world. Uh, if neither of you guys have watched The Expanse yet, I'm gonna wait till I actually do. Supposedly, I've heard The Expanse is Mass Effect without the Turians or without the Reapers, and that's got my attention. I don't know enough about Mass Effect to, to comment on that, but it does. It seems like a similar world. I, I always describe it to people as Game of Thrones in space. Uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic little series that not enough people are watching. So yeah, go check that out if you can. Uh, but yeah, uh, Righteous Gemstones is Love back. It. I've also, I started watching the newest season of Fargo. I'm only on like episode three, but. Oh, can I give you another one? Um, French Dispatch, the Wes Anderson film. Oh, I haven't I haven't love seen it. that. I, I want to. Love it, love it. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to come onto some kind of streaming platform. It's so Wes something. Anderson, but I love it. <laughs> it's it's I understand. Nice. Uh, Red Letter Media had some criticisms of it that it was too too much like his other stuff, but I think that's fine. I love his stuff. Um, so there's not too much of a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm fine with a director making something that feels like their other work, or even like if a band I like makes an album and it kind of sounds like all their other albums it's fine as long as it's good yeah know? that's how i feel and i and i would say this was good not his best i liked i liked the dog one better and i liked um okay jarling better and life aquatic better i don't know it might, it might even be i like a grand grand budapest hotel like too. is like one of my all-time favorite movies like that's that's probably my all-time favorite uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's so good. Um, they're all good, though. I, like, what's the worst Wes Anderson? It's still a great movie. I, I don't even know what I would consider his worst. Yeah. Uh, maybe, for me, maybe Darjeeling Limited yeah, or Bottle Rocket. Really like <laughs> and I still love both of those movies, like yeah. you said. So, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's not much else. I've, I've been... There's a few different anime series from eight. Like I've been watching Inuyasha. <laughs> like I've been watching like old anime, uh, trying to get caught up on it. Same with One Piece. Same with. Uh, oh, my daughter loves that. Uh, Pat Labor. Pat Labor's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I I love. I didn't I didn't expect Pat Labor to be as like as much of like an office comedy as it is. It's like an, it's like the office with mechs. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really like an office comedy and like the mech stuff is just uh, kind, kind of, of secondary to that. Yeah. It's, it's great. And the I, movies I really are fantastic. It. Yeah. I, I've seen the movie. I've seen the Pat labor movies, but a long time ago. So I'm going to rewatch those after I finish watching the series. For me and anime, I've been watching dragon ball super finally. I'm up to episode 82 and I've seen Dragon Ball Z Broly finally. It's unfortunate what happened with that movie, which I won't say any more than that. So hopefully okay. the new actor for Broly is awesome and we've had him on this show. So Johnny Young Bosch, we know you can do it because you're a frog. Um, <laughs> only old twig people will know what, what oh, I'm talking man, about. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh. 
I still use that promo. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. It's a lot of, a lot of Dragon Ball. I haven't tried any, anything new. I'm very hesitant to dip my toe into either Attack on Titan or My Hero Academia. I want to try something different. I'm a, I'm a little bit behind on My Hero Academia. I've only finished the first two seasons. Uh, Attack on Titan and uh, Demon Slayer, I've been watching like as they come out. Demon Slayer is great. Uh, Attack on Titan is good, but I forgot almost everything that happened in the earlier seasons, so I'm completely lost. Uh, so I, I know that after it's done, I need to go back at some point and rewatch the entire series all the way through uh, without interruptions in order to fully understand the story, just because it's so story dense compared to other anime. Uh, not that that's a bad thing, but it really demands your attention. Like you can't have Attack on Titan just going on in the background. Like it's really there's a lot going on, <laughs> and it's a very thematically dense show too. Like if we were to talk about it and analyze it the way we did the Matrix movies, uh, we could also have a very interesting discussion about like war and hatred and uh, all this fascinating historical stuff that they they co opted into the show. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's about it for me for stuff, uh, that I've been watching. I'm still playing Valkyria Chronicles <laughs> two months later after our, our long break. But yeah, I think that's about it. So I guess. So I can oh, I close the show, Dave? Because I've got something great to say. Uh, first, I just wanted to announce yeah, go for, it. for the next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the Scream franchise. Ooh. Uh, I have Ooh. not. I have not seen Scream Five yet, or just sorry, just Scream, Scream brackets twenty twenty two. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to go back. I've I've only seen those movies once, and again, it was like ten years ago. So I'm really excited to go back and rewatch them. So yeah. Anyways, that's it. Now you can do your closing. Go ahead. What I was going to say is, I can't tell you how this is going to end. I can tell you how this is going to begin. You're going to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You're going to follow the hosts on so social media. You will engage with them. You will open your mind to new truths, new realities. You will find your own understanding of the world before you change forever. Do you stay behind and treasure what, what you have? Or do you go into a brave new world not knowing what the future may hold? The choice is ultimately yours. No one will judge you for what you pick because ultimately it is your life to live and you have to be comfortable with that choice so until next time my friends i can only show you what the matrix is but you have to see it for yourself feedback at gmail.com there you go <laughs> so yeah hold up feedback at gmail.com and also if you look up hold up podcast on uh, Facebook, we are on there. So yeah, thank you, Mike, for that awesome that ending, awesome. and we will see you guys next time on Hold Up. Ugh, dude! Where the hell are we? You're in Zion, baby! What is this place? Duh, it's obviously an underground city where the last remaining humans live and the robots are coming to kill us. Doesn't that just make you want to party? Yeah! Dude, let's get out of here. I don't know, man, these girls are pretty hot. Check it out, you can totally see their nipples. Oh my god, there's Morpheus! Oh, I love you, Morpheus! Zion! Hear me! 
He's having a huge orgy at his place later tonight. At least that's what many of us have heard. It is true what many of you have heard. Expect at this orgy? Machines! Man, I'm out. Sounds kind of kinky. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll see you guys there! And bring plenty of lube!